Locked on Colts insider Jake Arthur stops by to preview this weekend's matchup and tell us what the national perception is of the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Don't go anywhere. It's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with CARE 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day, and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk, and it starts now. Back at it, back with another episode. Superior Sports Talk presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown, everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. No Reggie today, but I'll do you one better. We got a special guest, my good friend, Lockdown Colts insider Jake Arthur. Check him out every day with Zach Hicks, breaking down everything Indianapolis Colts. Jake, the team you cover, they're 4-8-1. They lost three in a row. You had to endure a midseason coaching change. Your quarterback, he's collecting social security checks right now. But despite <laughs> all that, you're still in good spirits. You made time to come on the show. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking the time. Mm -hmm. It's good to see you. Yeah, thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. That bye week was – the team didn't just need it. The media needed it too, for sure. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, we met – like a lot of people in this specific little football industry down at the mm -hmm. Senior Bowl a few years back. In fact, it's one of the best things about that week-long event, being able to meet so many different people like yourself. We've stayed in touch ever since. What's like one favorite memory you have from your time down in Mobile? Yeah, so it's one of those things I, I honestly haven't even been able to go back since then, and I, I really wish mm -hmm. I would have. Uh, but it's funny because that was the year Dak Prescott was there, Jacoby Brissett. Yes. And just yes. being able to talk to some of those players before they're huge stars and you get to know them a little bit. Like Jacoby Brissett, he eventually comes to the Colts. He spends a few years there. So I kind of already have that baseline with him. You know, we kind of touch right. on that and everything. And um, no, just being able to meet so many people that you know on Twitter and things like that, being able mm -hmm. to put faces to the names and meet them in person. That, that's just always a great experience. Yeah, well said. Yeah, Aaron Donald destroying everybody in 2014. That was great. <laughs> Derek Carr coming in the same year. He was ripping bullets through the wind and the rain day one of practice. That was fun. Baker Mayfield was like the talk of the town. And I remember either his aunt or his mom was kind of sick. So he didn't come until day two, late day two, middle of practice. And he just jumps in, no reps, cold turkey, and just throwing BBs up the scene, 30, 40 yards up the scene. Meanwhile, I think it was that same year, Josh Allen, I swear on my life, just had a bad week of practice. He couldn't complete like a five-yard swing pass to his running back in the flat. So here I am foolishly. I was like, well, this guy's got no accuracy. He'll, he'll be a bust. That one's hurt my brand for a long time. That still haunts me. Plenty to get into. Remember, follow Long Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. And on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Lockdown. M I N and remember after this show, go check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Jake. It's usually Reggie and I talking about this Vikings team, just kind of from the inside lens here. 
We're around this team every day, all season long. We get a little hypnotized, if you will, almost when you're around the same team for so long. So my question is like, what's the national perception right now from the outside looking in of this Vikings team and the season they're having? Rookie coach, they're 10 and three, gonna win the North. The defense is terrible though now. So what do people think when they see the Vikings on the schedule that week? Yeah, so I, I think right away, it's a pretty good team. The record speaks for itself, you know, only a, only a few losses on the year. With the new head coach, you know, kind of seems like a forward-thinking offensive mind. That's always good to see. I think a lot of teams really want that. Like, the Colts could really use somebody like that. Um, again, some good wins under the record, but you've got stuff like the Cowboys loss, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo- lost a, a valid matchup to the Eagles, which shows – they're a playoff team, but they're probably not right there yet to reach that next right. level. Uh, but they're deservedly so and comfortably in the playoff mix. You know, if, if they beat the Colts, I believe they win the NFC North. Um, so mm-hmm. a good team, plenty of talent there to be worried about. You know, Dalvin Cook, people say he's kind of taking a step back, but he's still, from the looks of it, having a good season. He, he's still, you know, one of the most dangerous running backs. Kirk Cousins, ha- you guys know, Obviously, so well he can be very Jekyll and Hyde. The Colts have had some some guys like that, but it looks like he's having a pretty decent season overall. Uh, guys like Daniil Hunter worry me. I know he's had some injury issues uh, in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Kind of kind of feels like a Shaquille Leonard situation. To be honest with you, mm. Harrison Smith has been someone you got to circle all the time. So um, the the Vikings should be favored to win this. There's no reason the Colts should win it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think they're a pretty good team o- overall. Uh, there's probably probably just a tiny piece here or there another year in before they're ready to be like the the guys up there in the NFC. In in that elite tier, in that top tier. Good yeah. team, not great team. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat versus that upper echelon tier in the NFL. They just seem to really have a hard time and they struggle. How about Kirk Cousins? Mm-hmm. You mentioned him. Always flirts around like that top 10 quarterback stats. This year, the stats are down a little bit from what we saw the last few years, but he's winning more games. Six fourth quarter comeback wins. What's the perception of Kirk? Does he have what it takes, honestly, to win a Super Bowl, do you think? Because I'll be honest, like it might not be long, three, four, maybe five years until Kirk is in kind of the Matt Ryan stage, what you're seeing over there in Indy mm-hmm. and what he's going through, two somewhat similar quarterbacks and style of play. I'm sure when you brought him in, like a lot of Colts fans said, this could be the guy he could win us the big game if we surround him with enough talent yeah and I'm glad you mentioned that comparison because I was going to say the same thing you know rewind a few years for Matt Ryan of course um right there, there's there's some things there you know they they have that never quit mentality they can lead those fourth quarter comebacks for as many issues as Ryan has had this year he has led some some fourth quarter comebacks already um I think Cousins is capable of just about anything. You know, you see him as one of the more prolific passers at times, but it's just consistency is the issue. And where I kind of draw the comparison with Matt Ryan is things around him have to be going at a high level to see, to unlock that high-end capability that they have. Offensive line play, you know, receivers getting open, things like that. For Matt Ryan, we've definitely seen most of the season. Those things have not clicked, and it's been a disaster. And I think that's when things come up. Just in games I've seen Kirk Cousins play, the protection isn't there, or the receivers are banged up or just not getting open. 
But when things are going well, he is someone to be concerned about because he'll go over the top of your head. He he's you know he's kind of a ballsy passer. He'll fit in into tight windows, so he's got some gunslinger to him as well, and that could be really dangerous for and against the Vikings. Really, I'm glad you pointed that out because you're right. Both quarterbacks at their best, really upper echelon quarterbacks. But again, everything around them needs to look the right way. You see the difference right now between a guy like Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins and just the situations they've been surrounded with so far. How about the perception of JJ? Is he the best offensive player in the league in your eyes? I mean, certainly a case could be made for guys like Jamar Chase or Tyree Kill and a few others. Yeah, it's always apples to oranges when you look at those different guys. Sure. You throw in the the running the running backs too, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor, even. Um yeah. I certainly put him among those probably top five elite offensive non-quarterbacks, because you know quarterbacks have their own shelf. But yeah, like you mentioned, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, those guys are all the cream of the crop. Like you no team mm-hmm. wants to face them. You trust them in any matchup. Like for as as well as Stefan Gilmore has played this year, I I think this is gonna be his toughest matchup of the season. And if he gives up 150-200 to Jefferson, I I mean it, it, he's not gonna shadow him. But if this looks like his worst performance, I couldn't even hold it against him. You know what I mean? Because you expect Jefferson mm-hmm. to kill everybody he goes up against. Yeah, the bar is just set so ridiculously high now for J.J. By the way, to hit that 2,000-yard mark, which obviously him and Tyreek are shooting for, he needs to average 125 yards per game these next four weeks. Lastly, Mm -hmm. both our teams are in kind of a similar situation with the running backs, both considered top five guys. The Vikings are a few years ahead of you with Cook now on a second contract, kind of similar to the Matt Ryan a few years ahead of Kirk Cousins in a way. He's due $14 million next year, and given our backups, right now I for one hate to say it in the camp of letting him go taking the cap savings what's your opinion and thoughts just about paying running backs big money because Jonathan Taylor he's got one more year left on his rookie deal and then he'll get the bag and I'm sure they'll sign him to a huge long-term deal but like how long realistically can you do that before these guys start to break down physically what's your thoughts on just paying running backs just in general second and third contracts yeah I'm starting to I'm starting to be a detractor from that, I'll be honest, because at, at a certain yeah. point, if you have an elite player, you should pay them and retain them. But mm-hmm. even though Jonathan Taylor was the difference between winning and losing so many times last year, that roster was great, and he had mm-hmm. he had one of the best seasons a Colts running back has ever had. That includes Edron James, Marshall Falk, Eric Dickerson, guys like that, Lenny Moore, Oof. just a bunch of Hall of Famers. One of the best seasons ever, and they didn't even make the playoffs. So assuming he can't duplicate that every single year, what are you really getting out of that? Running backs just truly, their value, you can find it later in the round. Like, sure, you may be taking a step down talent-wise or an explosiveness or whatever, but you can get the job done with a lesser quality running back and still get wins. And I'm I'm not even saying go out and trade Jonathan Taylor because it, it would be rough if they did. But if right. a team is willing to cough up a first-round pick for him and you bundle oh. that together to move up and get your guy that you think is your quarterback of the future, don't you have to do that? Like, quarterback yeah. quarterback, very clearly for the Colts, it's a huge spotlight has been shown that they're not going to go anywhere without a, a high-end quarterback. They've got awesome rosters that have just totally underwhelmed the last few years. 
you got to have that quarterback. It's just paramount. That's just such a great point that you called out there. Like the stats are great for both these guys, the home run plays, the highlights, the splash plays, but does it equate to wins in this pass happy league? I think you kind of hit it right on the head. Like it's such a watered down position now, unless you're a team like, you know, the Titans with Derrick Henry. I mean, it just seems like everybody now you have to be able to pass the ball. Sure, you still got to run the ball effectively, especially in the playoffs, but for that to be your identity of your offense, I just think it's so hard to translate that into wins and be a successful team that can go deep in the playoffs. Water down position. You can always find these guys now on day three of the draft. It's like if you just take one day three pick every year, use it on a running back, you'll probably be just fine. Run them into the ground for four years, let them walk. Don't have to pay them that much. This isn't baseball, right? Like there's a finite amount of money within the cap structure. And there's so many other positions of bigger value, offensive tackle, pass rusher, of course, quarterback. I mean, you really need every penny you can get unless like the Seahawks showed us a decade ago, unless you got a quarterback on a rookie deal, of course. Just real quick, too. We all know JT, uh, absolute stud. He's kind of struggled a little bit this year for whatever reason. Like, what's one or two reasons you think he slipped a bit this season and not lived up to kind of the bar we all had him at? Yeah, so the season started out hot. He had 150-plus yards against the Texans. It looked like another vintage JT performance. Same old JT, but, but, yeah. Yeah, and you assumed... It was going to carry into another year. But the Colts just did a really poor job preparing this offensive line for the season. They went in with a new left tackle, a new right guard, both of whom they've had to change. They've been through a zillion offensive line changes. Now they do finally have their five, and it's been that way for a handful of weeks now, but it took them half the season of messing with the line to get there. And so in the time of them figuring out their offensive line, which he, Jonathan Taylor did not appear comfortable running through. Like last year, everything looked easy. He, it, running backs are so, like, they're at their best when they're using their instincts and not having to worry mm -hmm. about where am I going. Last year, totally clicking on all cylinders, obviously. He was, he was following these big open holes. Sorry, my dog is just coughing over here. Uh, lots <laughs> of zone running and things like that. Big open holes. It was easy. This year, the offensive line has been awful, and he just did not look comfortable and confident following those blocks. And then in the meantime, while the Colts were figuring out their offensive line, he go he gets an ankle injury that has that plagued him for five or six weeks, right. probably. Like he played through it occasionally. Uh, he did miss some time, but th those two things together have just kind of led to him not having the best season. Now he's looked a little better lately. He's been hitting some of those longer runs we're used to seeing from him. So things are starting to click now. I think he'll be a big beneficiary from this last bye week. Um, I think he'll look really good over these last four weeks. Um, but yeah, th those, those factors together just really have, they, they've really not, you know, they've not been good for him this season. And, the fumble issues, which haven't been in a problem in the NFL at all, they were an issue at Wisconsin. They've crept up this year, mm -hmm. too. He's lost like three or four fumbles now. So that makes it look even worse. Uh, you know, yeah, if, from, if you're rushing uh, for 16, 
if you're rushing for 16, 1700 yards, you can live with right. that, but it just hasn't looked right. as good now. Yeah, the give and take, a little bit easier pill to swallow for sure if the production's mm -hmm. there. As far as just like the offensive line, like from a guy who doesn't follow the team week to week, obviously not only not in the same division, but different conference altogether. I just think Colts, I think, all right, Quentin Nelson and what? They're paying Braden Smith 10, 15 mil, something like that. Should have a decent offensive line, but again, talking to you due to the injuries and just shuffling that offensive line unit, it's really just a testament to you can have a stud or two on that unit but it really is a collective game there and you need five you're only good as your weakest link more weeks than not or teams will try to expose that i saw the splits to your point with saturday calling the shots he's definitely helped like revive taylor's production here these last few four games as you mentioned i think he's averaging 99 and change almost 100 yards per game again so i want to take a little bit more in-depth look at this week's matchup who are the colts right now like what's going on with them outside the record and the box scores What's maybe their biggest strengths? What do they still do really well that Vikings fans should be aware of? And where have they kind of struggled the most this season? How can they be beat? Yeah, so the one area of their team you could count on most weeks has been their defense. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you've got a really strong interior with DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. They've been able to count on those guys throughout the whole season. Uh, the edge presence has been really inconsistent. You guys are, are well aware of Yannick Ngakwe. Like he's sitting on eight oh, and a yeah. half sacks right now, but it's a quiet eight and a half sacks. I, I think he's got like six or seven straight weeks with a half sack, which is great, but it, it's just like so random and, and inconsistent. Sure. Um, yeah. Reminds me of Daniel Hunter, been... seven sacks, but you ask any Vikings yeah. fan, it's like he's having the worst season of his career. It's like he's got seven sacks. There's still four games left. He'll probably end up with double digits, but you're, I, I get it when you say it's a quiet sack production total that you're looking at. Exactly. And like Quiddy Pay has been really good this year, but he's had his own ankle issue that's cost him several weeks. So uh, he'll probably start to look quite a bit better over these last few weeks. No, the, the secondary has been pretty decent. They've limited a lot of big plays, uh, but the defense has carried this team for so long this season that they're starting to crack. Like you saw the, the big breakdown late a couple weeks ago against the Cowboys. My God, sorry. Uh, they gave up thir 33 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Um, and it's just stuff like that lately that has started to show. Like, you can only carry the team and be on the field so much before it, it's just a problem. Because the offense, so many three and outs, you know, short drives, keeping the defense on the field at all times. Um, their weakness still is at quarterback. I mean, even when their offensive line is playing good enough to get by, Matt Ryan is just – he leads the league in turnovers, and it's not even always like really – it's not even always forced errors. Like sometimes he's just making bad throws and not protecting the ball, and it's just – that's the their biggest area of opportunity for opponents is is his ball security, really. Yeah, what, 18 giveaways, I think, 13 interceptions, five fumbles on the year. Not what you want, obviously, if you're a Colts fan. Coming up next, Jake's going to give us a few underrated players you better get to know before this Saturday's matchup. But first, Vikes dropped to 12-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Vikings open this week. First, the Colts favored by 4.5. That line has moved down to 4 now, over-under, sitting at 47 points. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with BetOnline. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. 
needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, NBA, NHL, even MMA and UFC. Bet Online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to betonline.net today to learn more. That's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, back to football we go. Vikings Colts this Saturday, noon kickoff. Jake, give me two or three players that are just maybe underrated from a national lens that Vikings fans may not know about that you, as a guy who's covered the team, knows plays a bigger role than people think, whose maybe stock is just pointing up a little bit. Yeah, so on the offensive side of the ball, uh, looking at tight end Jelani Woods, uh, he started out the year a little slow. Physical freak, as big as a basketball player, athletic as all get out. He had the highest uh, Raz score ever for a tight end coming into this draft. That's crazy. Uh, he's starting dude. To, yeah. Right. Yeah. A perfect 10. Uh, he's really coming alive. The problem is the Colts don't seem to utilize him enough. But when they do, it's awesome. Against the Steelers, he led everyone with 98 yards. He had a two touchdown game against the Chiefs. Like when they use him, it looks really good. And We've we've all been kind of pounding the table to see him be a more permanent fixture in these last four weeks. So that's one guy I would keep an eye on. Because uh, if if I saw correctly, Minnesota can kind of struggle with some tight ends. In the middle of the field could be a little vulnerable. Pick any um, position they struggle defending. Yes, tight end. <laughs> defensively, yes. yes. Correct. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Grover Stewart is playing out of his mind. Uh, defensive tackle. Dude. He's been one of the, the best yeah. defensive tackles, but... Those nose guys don't get a lot of love because they don't put up huge mm-hmm. stats, but he's very disruptive. Um, and then on the back end, I think we'll especially see him a lot this week because they've got some some injuries at cornerback is Isaiah Rogers. Uh, not been tested very much this year, but he is locking guys down for the most part. Mm. Uh, he went toe-to-toe with Devontae Adams when they played the Raiders and didn't mm. look scared at all. He's only like 5'9", but he plays above it. Uh, crazy athletic and explosive. So he he's a guy who could you could see him make a, a pass breakup or two if he's matched up against Justin Jefferson. Now I still give the edge to Jefferson, but he you, he can make a couple plays that make you say, "Wow, who's that guy?" That's really good to know for sure. That's great insight there. Yeah, it, again, like I don't know this roster inside and out like you do, but I see a guy like Rover Stewart, defensive tackle, making 10.5 mil. Spot Rec says based off the play, he should be making closer to like 13 mil. And I think, wow, this guy must really be helping that defensive line get the production they need. Then I go look at the stats. For a nose tackle, you're saying 59 tackles for an interior lineman, let alone a nose tackle is great. And then you see three sacks and eight tackles for loss with four games to play. Again, for a nose tackle, like that's outstanding, man. He's he's just been obviously one of your more consistent pieces on that defensive front. And then you touched on the injuries a little bit. Injury report for the Vikes should have Harrison Smith back. Derrissaw should be back. Daniil Hunter popped up with a neck injury. That gave every fan some PTSD for sure. But Colts, they could be without those two cornerbacks, possibly. You mentioned it. How impact? could that be for this game yeah you of course don't ever really want to be without guys that play a lot of snaps and Kenny Moore is Mm -hmm. he's a hundred percent snap guy um so I'm pretty sure he's going to be out he was out two weeks ago and he was viewed as week to week hasn't practiced yet so I don't think he'll play uh Brandon Faison been uh been kind of iffy this year he's been a guy where everyone's like stop playing him over Isaiah Rogers essentially so if you're going to pick two corners to be out for the Colts, I guess these are the two you would want to be out. Um, 
because mm-hmm. Stephon Gilmore has looked awesome this year, and Isaiah Rogers, I just mentioned him. Those are the two guys you really want out there most. I do think they'll miss Kenny Moore a bit just because he's really savvy and, and he's always capable of making plays anywhere. Um, but yeah, that, it's probably going to force Dallas Flowers, an undrafted rookie, into a, a significant role perhaps, or Tony Brown, uh, a veteran okay. special teams cornerback basically uh, throughout his career. So if anything happens to Rodgers or Gilmore in this game, it could get right. real ugly real quick against a guy like Jefferson who's chasing history right now. And Adam Thielen, mm-hmm. K.J. Osborne, it's not like Jefferson mm-hmm. is the only guy they have out there catching passes. That's great breakdown. Yeah. Very good to know. Last one before we move on to our Give Me One segment here. I was just so jealous of you guys in 2018. You guys pulled in Quentin Nelson, my number one non-quarterback of that class, and then came back and got Shaq Leonard in round two. Not to mention Ballard moves down from three to six to get Nelson with the Jets, scoop up some extra picks there. I really thought that was like the start of a new direction for the Colts they were heading in. And I said, man, if Ballard has a few more drafts like this, watch out, dude. It's year five now of those two players. What's just their latest? Yeah, so Leonard, obviously, he's out for the year now. He had a procedure Mm -hmm. on his back in June to clean up both an issue with the back, but it also had been affecting his lower leg as well. Just a nerve thing, mm. I think. He didn't. He just wasn't firing in his lower leg. He tried he played, to play through that did, at one point, didn't he? And yeah, so he played working. all last year on a bum leg and was a first-team All-Pro again. He was awesome. <laughs> in contention for Defensive Player of the Year. And this year, he just could not really get through all the stuff that was happening. Uh, he had another procedure on his back recently, and he's out for the year. Fingers crossed that he comes back next year, ready to go physically. Nerves are firing everything because he's he's a true game changer. Uh, as for Quentin Nelson, still playing at a Pro Bowl level, probably not playing at the Hall of Fame level like he was his first few years. But he's had his own back issues the last year or so. He, he's he's had lots of dings, and you know when when there's change next to you as an offensive lineman. It's hard to be at your very tip-top best. Like, it was awesome when he had Anthony Costanzo as his left tackle next to him, and Ryan Kelly was playing lights out at center. But Kelly's not playing as well at center. He's got a rookie, Bernard Ryman, next to him at left tackle. Before that was Matt Pryor, who was playing awful. So I don't think Nelson's been able to play up to his standard yet. Uh, I don't think that's Mm -hmm. in his past. He should still be in his prime. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, this year he's not quite looked like the best one or two guards in football, but I think that's still in him. I'm not sure there'll be another guard during his peak or prime that gave us like the highlight reels that Nelson did those right. first few years, man. J- just an absolute <laughs> animal. I hope he ends up coming mm-hmm. back to form here. Maybe not this week, but in the not so distant right. future, because <laughs> I've just always been such a huge fan of his. All right, time has come for our give me one segment. First one up here. Give me one matchup to watch this Saturday. You already kind of flung out a couple good ones. Now I'm watching Grover Stewart against Garrett Bradbury and the Insiders. Is there one matchup that you've kind mm-hmm. of highlighted from your own research here this week? Yeah, so I actually I talked to Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings last night, and it sounds like DeForest Buckner against that interior of the Vikings offensive line as well, next to to Stewart. Uh, Stewart and Buckner play really well off of each other. And I know that interior has been pretty banged up. I mean, Bradbury coming back helps. But those young guys, Buckner could really have an advantage there. And Mm -hmm. Buckner making things difficult for Cousins in that last matchup they had a few years ago was a big deal. So 
you know, a healthy DeForest Buckner against some young offensive linemen where he has the clear advantage. I really am looking at that. I mean, obviously, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Gilmore is a big one. Uh, Gilmore is going to have to hold up his end of the bargain. He can't get beat every time. He's going to give up some, but those are a couple big ones. That's a great highlight. I'm glad you called that out. Uh, next one up, give me one player you hope falls to the Colts or the front office just kind of targets with the team's top 10 pick, currently projected to be the seventh overall pick. I know Matt Ryan mm-hmm. is due, what, 35 mil next year, but I got to assume, mm-hmm. especially in a great quarterback class, that quarterback's got to be near the top of the list. Tell me if I'm wrong, though. I'm not sure. No, you are. You're You're definitely right. I... Uh... I think a lot of people would be very upset if they don't leave the draft with a new quarterback, okay. especially in the first mm-hmm. round. So they'll probably be picking six to eighth by the time the, the mm-hmm. season's over. So Bryce Young will be gone, obviously. CJ yep. Stroud is, is an interesting one, but I don't know that he fits how the Colts are currently built with their offensive line not performing well. You know, very, yeah, very good, good pocket passer, great accuracy at times. But if you look at someone like uh, Will Levis or if they trade down and get Anthony Richardson or someone, mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson has obviously honestly been the guy a lot of Colts people are talking about lately because of his mobility. Zach and I did uh, a couple episodes lately about the Colts changing their type at quarterback from the stuffy classic pocket passer, statuesque guy. Get someone who can pick up some yards on the ground. That's the true high floor quarterback nowadays is is someone who can run around. So someone like Anthony Richardson, a guy like Will Levis would be nice. If they are really confident in their offensive line, they could do Stroud as well. But there's been some comparisons from like Stroud to Ryan where everything has to be good around him in order to for him to really reach his potential. Uh, you kind of want someone who could kind of play through the chaos, I, I guess, a little bit. Um, but outside of that, I would maybe look for one of these offensive tackles. Uh, Peter Skaronsky mm-hmm. is a good example. Uh, the kid from Georgia, Broderick Jones, is a possibility. Um, but, man, for my money, I really want to see them leave the first round with a quarterback. You know, again, what better draft to be end up landing in the top 10 here? Maybe, like you said, six mm-hmm. to eight there. Absolutely loaded quarterback class this season. And I sit here, I'm like, ah, CJ Stroud, I think, will be gone before pick seven or eight. But you just never know, man. I mean, we'll go through all the mocks and all the projections for the next four months. But until that time actually comes, you just never really know. Anthony Richardson, though, glad you called him out. I could see his stock boosting so much. And just the hype. Is he the next kind of Josh Allen type of guy? I'm with you, though, being a guy who has to watch Kirk Cousins every week, God bless him, and you got to watch Matt Ryan. I get like the itch and need to just have a mobile quarterback nowadays that can just create some plays with his feet outside the pocket once in a while. you got to have that ability. Last one here. Give me one Colts rookie you've been the most impressed with thus far. You mentioned Jelani Woods. I'm glad you highlighted him. You mentioned Raymond again at, at tackle. Sounds like he's been kind of hit or miss. Alec Pierce, I see, has been solid for the most part too. Is there another guy I'm missing? No, all three of those guys have have been perfectly fine, but someone I've been most impressed with compared to where they were drafted or expectations mm-hmm. coming in, seventh rounder Rodney Thomas, uh, safety oh, wow. out of Yale. He was a corner and a linebacker at Yale, and he, he missed a season with the, with the COVID stuff. Yale didn't have their season in 2020. So expectations, super low, like rightfully so. Like he made the roster, which was, you know, a surprise enough. But he's been really good. Like, he was thrust into action initially in week three against the Chiefs. 
and you're like, oh, God, a rookie seventh-round pick safety against Patrick right, Mahomes is going to be a mess. He made a couple really nice plays in that, saved a touchdown or two. His range is awesome. He's a very sure tackler. He's been a very pleasant surprise. He's someone who, going forward, you kind of want to see be the starting free safety. He, he's been – I'd love that, to hear someone, that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. probably have not even heard that name. No, no, I'd love to hear that converted linebacker. You look him up, coming out of the draft, linebacker out of Yale. Now you're telling me he converted to safety. Love to hear that. And mm -hmm. I know Nick Cross, a lot of people were high on him, top 100 pick, safety out of Maryland. Has he actually leapfrogged Nick Cross in a way, too, that you'd rather see him over Nick Cross? Has Nick Cross been starting? So they have pretty defined roles for their safeties. Uh, Thomas okay. is a free safety. And Got Nick it. Cross, they see more as a strong safety. He actually entered the season as the starter. Um, but they picked up Rodney McLeod in the offseason, a veteran, 10-11 year guy. And Gus mm -hmm. Bradley absolutely loves the leadership and communication from McLeod. And honestly, McLeod has just become so valuable as as a leader in that back end and like kind of being a coach on the field that they don't want to take him off the field. And so that has kind of stunted the opportunities for Cross. You know, Cross is a young player. They, they have sky-high expectations for him long-term, but they're not going to rush him into it. Um, he's another guy we kind of said we wanted to see play more in these last four games. McLeod is great, but if Cross is part of your long-term future, you got to start getting him out there. Uh, he really hasn't played any meaningful defensive snaps since like week two or three. He's been almost exclusively special teams. Um but during the preseason, he kind of showed a niche for defending the end zone. Uh, if someone mm. tested him, him or his guy in the red zone, he was there to break up the pass. So uh, I guess they're waiting on some more of his game to develop, but he's capable of playing. I mean, they, they were comfortable enough naming him the starter coming into the year before they replaced him. It's so interesting about Rodney Thomas, the linebacker. Usually if a linebacker converts to safety, because he was formerly a linebacker, he usually converts to strong safety as that mm -hmm. box kind of safety. To know that he's actually playing free safety just screams to me that he must be ultra-athletic. Can't imagine how athletic he was as a linebacker as well. So that's mm -hmm. very interesting to see. Again, Chris Ballard always finds a way to find some of these guys later in the rounds. All right, man, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Drop us a five-star review and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Jake Arthur, on Twitter, at JakeArthurNFL. Check him out every day up on the Locked On Colts podcast. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. We're back tomorrow with the Roundtable, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Jake, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out.